like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years. Flex 7 outer shell fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 outer shell fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. Taking it to the streets is all about advancing firefighter safety and operational integrity for the fire service through provocative insights and dynamic discussions dedicated to both the art and science of firefighting and the traditions of the fire service. The focus at Taking It to the Street continues to be straightforward, street-level talk with intelligent, stimulating, and provocative insights and dynamic discussion with interactive dialogue and, most importantly, listener participation. Just like around the kitchen table or in the day room over a cup of coffee at 02.30 after a good run. And now, the latest edition of Taking It to the Streets with your host, Christopher Knopf. Welcome to this edition's of Buildings on Fire, Taking It to the Streets. I'm your host, Chris Nam. I want to thank you all for uh, joining in on this episode. Uh, we're going to get right straight to it. Uh, in our last episode on Buildings on Fire, we started uh, introducing and having a conversation talking about, uh, again, our continuing dialogue and advocacy toward the tie-ins between building construction and that, that and so critical importance in fire ground operations. And that has been a common theme throughout just about our entire series of uh, programs going back certainly well into the last couple of years. But certainly over the last 24 months, we've been really focusing in on some key attributes, talking about our concept of the fire ground architect, really elevating the skill set, knowledge, and abilities of today's fire officers and commanding officers to have a much more profound level of knowledge, insights, and skill sets when dealing with fire ground command decision-making, operational aspects at the tactical company level, and really just having overall a greater appreciation for what it means to have literacy and competencies and knowledge about today's buildings and built environment and how that relates directly to fire ground operations. And one of the leading questions always is, and we've talked about it in, in previous episodes, how do I know what I don't know if I don't know it? And, and that really becomes such a critical question in all of our minds because many of us certainly have both experience, have background, have exposure, but how do I truly, how do I know what I don't know if I don't know it? If I don't know it from being exposed to it, not having experienced any of it regarding fireground operations, or the ability to connect the dots when certain aspects on the fire ground related to building performance related aspects 
are very evident, but we can't connect those dots. We are seeing and hearing, maybe being aware of certain things uh, intuitively based upon our experience, but not nearly enough to make some rapid uh, identification and judgment calls from that standpoint. So in this particular episode, again, we, we led into our conversation in our previous uh, part one episode talking about the importance of both the built environment and fire ground operations or operations in general. And we're going to sort of close that loop in this uh, brief episode talking about the modern fire ground, talking about that first do and connecting some issues here that, again, are common to previous conversations that we've had discussing the importance of, again, the built environment, construction-related issues. Now, I will say this in the upcoming episodes here in the remaining portion of 2023, and as we move forward into uh, 2024, both our primary uh, programs here on Fire Engineering's uh, uh, platform, as well as some additional program opportunities that we will have in, a, in, a, uh, in another offline uh, format that will be, again, promoted and uh, encouraged here on Fire Engineering, both within the Fire Engineering uh, platform and Fire Engineering Blog Talk Radio, to, again, allow our listeners more robust and in-depth knowledge and insights and opportunities from some more expanded level opportunities here with training, some online webinars, and some other things that we are uh, very excited about and that you'll be seeing more about here in the upcoming couple of months here as we move forward into the remaining portion of 2023 and are prepared to execute some really unique opportunities here. I've made mention we're still diligently working forward with some, some online um, features here uh, within Fire Engineering to uh, give you, our listeners, some both uh, uh, more in-depth insights on this very complex area of building construction, but to really, again, provide some opportunities within the vast array of resources that fireengineering.com has available to it, both online and within the print version, uh, within social media, much of what you have, again, come to expect by Fire Engineering's very in-depth perspectives and really trying tying that back into much of what our other colleagues here are providing to really give you a more robust and a very well-rounded approach dealing with not only our focus on building construction, but some of the key areas within certain aspects of building construction and errors and vintages in certain construction, but also tying that into firefighter safety, as well as some of the aspects of fire ground operations that many of our colleagues here on the Blog Talk radio platform uh, have been offering, but also try to extend that back into the current offerings on fireengineering.com, as well as other offerings that we on Buildings on Fire will be providing here as we move forward and working collectively with everyone that's behind the scenes. So again, when we talk about the modern fire ground, we talk about the first do, and again, the, the, all of this focusing in on construction-related issues, the predictability uh, or predicting adverse fire behavior and the potential for structural co uh, collapse and compromise is certainly one of the most challenging tasks facing first due companies and commanders at a fire scene. Usually the lack of information on the construction of the building, uh, fire-related issues, fire location, fire burn time, uh, the conditions upon arrival, the conditions of the building, fire load, et cetera, um, all of these make the task nearly impossible. However, 
again, when we have the availability to identify or predict key building considerations and fire ground indicators when presented, when recognized, and when identified for their relevance and importance to fire ground operations, safety, and operational integrity, very well may dramatically influence fire ground operations. But again, it goes back to how do I know what I don't know if I don't know it? So when we've talked about the modern fire ground in the built environment, there are a number of aspects here of which there all are a number of variables. Again, number one, first and foremost, the built environment has so many different variables, especially when we talk about era and vintage. When they were built, things that have occurred over the life cycle of the, of the buildings. Uh, and by life cycle, we talk about a building originates in a particular uh, time frame of a particular year. But again, the longer that building remains in place, the, the more likelihood there may be a whole number of, of um, different uh, renovations, adaptive reuse, alterations, expansions, anything that can go into that building that changes either, either subtly or dramatically in terms of how that building was built under the particular codes at that particular time um, have to be, number one, expected, and then not only expected, but that also has to be tied into the uh, variables under fireground decision-making. So the aspects dealing with the built environment, dealing with the types, the magnitude, severity of the fires, uh, even the makeup of our organization, we talk about the fire service variable, the amount of companies, the time of day, time of weekend, composition of our personnel, the human performance aspect of that clearly are going to play out in terms of having significant variables that are going to uh, certainly have uh, influence on fire ground decision making. The standards of protection regarding the manner in which you are operating, what your SOPs, SOGs are, uh, the standards of rigor, the availability of resources, the practices and methodologies that are employed relative to a particular building. Now, many of you may have very defined tactical boxes and templates that you're utilizing that are very prescriptive. We have a certain type of structure upon our arrival, whether it be a residential, commercial, multiple occupancy, uh, high rise, low rise, and so forth. And we operate within a very standardized template of operation. So those practices sometimes are very much defined by with very little latitude to work outside of, of the, of the uh, bumpers that are established within that. But again, one of the things that we'll talk about here in a moment is having a much more adaptive fireground management and approach dealing with the types of buildings and those variables that that building may have. And then lastly, the capabilities of the companies, capabilities of commanding officers, company officers, the capabilities of the arriving companies, mutual aid. Those are all very distinct variables that highly influence fireground decision making. So let alone we may have a particular building of era, vintage, construction, materials, and so forth that affect, affects the manner in which that building's predictability, the manner in which that building will perform under the variation of fire conditions and how it will travel, how it will affect the building, affect the occupants, and affect the methods and practices that we may select and employ they will also be affected by, again, the availability of both the resources and the capabilities of our companies upon that arrival. The influencing factors there, again, there are a number of both non-negotiable priorities that are going to be based upon civilian, civilians in distress, as well as the severity levels of risk and the safety margins that are employed. 
There needs to be critical thinking regarding our operations, and we'll talk a little bit more about critical thinking traits regarding the considerations that are drawn out of um, much of what is suggested by both UL, NIST, any of the re research coming out from any of the organizations. There are aspects there that need to be considered within the th crit critical thinking component. There also needs to be resiliency, integrity, having an appreciation and a respect for the continuation of time, the elapsed time on the fire ground, the elapsed time of operations. And there are a number of different uh, uh, attributes toward that and also a number of different categories and analogies that come out of it. But time is such of a critical element. We actually invested quite a bit of time a few episodes back on the show talking about tactical windows and tactical windows as they relate to the built environment and the variables based upon uh, fire really are the most critical. There are considerations in certain building types based upon era and vintage that either give us minimal tactical windows or can expand that tactical window to a much more uh, greater degree of latitude that we should, under normal operating conditions, be able to manage and uh, control the the variables of events well before adverse conditions start affecting the building in terms of adverse structural or integrity factors. There are issues that affect our decision-making process which need to be considered that first and foremost start off with that building and the variables of fire and the human performance variables or companies. But decision-making all are, and most certainly as we move forward, highly influenced by the built environment, by the building's construction, its occupancy risks, and those variables presented by the fire. And then what we will talk about here in a few moments is the severity, urgency, and risk. There are two significant caveats here when we talk about risk, and we talk about severity, urgency, and growth, or the acronym of SUG, S-U-G. So we'll talk more about that. All of those influence our strategical decision-making, or when we talk about decision-making, our strategies, our tactics are going to be influenced by that built environment, by the structure, by those variables that are going to have a direct influence on operations and have a both direct and uh, indirect influence on those outcomes. But these are all variables. Each one of those bullets has significant variables that are drawn out of them. Some of the key elements when we talk about influencing regarding the built environment Three uh, critical factors, we talk about the, the building integrity, which is uh, directly associated with collapse and compromise over Delta T, the elapse of time. We have fire severity, which in this uh, day and age, it has everything to do with the megawatts of energy that are generated by the fire load package. And that severity also is going to be over the delta of time, the elapse of time. And then the third critical element is going to be a company performance. And then company performance is also based upon what we call HU, human performance over the elapse of time. And again, the best way to describe that, we talked about that again in our previous episodes. If you go back to the archives, we talk about human performance, the capabilities and or limitations over the elapse of time. What can our companies do in the least amount of time? What can occur over some uh, continuity or a lapse of time? What can they do in that critical 10 to 15 minute window of, of operations? And again, those variables all relate back to company integrity, accountability, uh, expectations, performance, and then again, the aspects of fortitude and rigor. The adaptive fire ground, as we've talked about that, and again, we we introduced the concept of the adaptive fire ground or AFM 
uh, well over 20 years ago in some of our earliest writings, both online as well as in the various publications. And once we had a um, the ability to present that both in our social media posts on our blog sites, our websites, and then as we trans uh, transitioned over to our earliest podcast back in the uh, early 2007 and 2008 era of time, we talked extensively about the concept of how as we were transitioning into the early 2000s, there was a much greater need, profound level of need that we identified to have a much more adaptive fireground management perspective that influenced our decision-making decision based upon our buildings. And again, both new as well as older structures from eras and vintages. But again, they are all influenced by our built environment, the incident severity, the urgency and growth, the fire dynamics that are present, either assumed or known, or that we encounter and identify within the compartment of our fire ground operations. It's the staffing, it's the resources, human performance, and that aspect of time. So those variables that are given to us by the fire ground, by the building, and our response companies, they in turn end up giving us the variables on that first due. And then again, when we talk about the specifics, it is about the construction, it is about the occupancy load, the occupancy basis, it is the performance standards and the basis of performance by that building, it is the severity, urgency, and growth, the influence by human performance, critical thinking, conservative bias, organizational predictability based upon the box. And then again, it goes back to this other aspect that I've talked about a couple of times here. It's the discipline, adaptiveness, and the rigor. So discipline and adaptiveness sometimes go contrary to each other, but it is having the discipline and the ability and the discipline not to be so narrow-minded relative to the scope narrow-minded to what we think we can do relative to the time factors, but having these thresholds based upon operations, then having that rigor and the fortitude to operate. It goes into a, a level of conditioning when the adaptive um, fireground management concept is, is implemented to, again, both uh, have integral and interdependent uh, perspectives, technical basis on our assumptions and predict, predict, uh, predictions, it's also having uh, experience tempered uh, temperament. Our experience gives us a lot, and I never dismiss much of what we gather and what is drawn out of experience, whether it be anecdotal, empirical, but our experience also gives us that gut check. So it's also part of recognition, prime decision-making. It's also part of the basis of naturalistic decision-making in which experience has to be tempered, but also cannot be... Uh, uh, neglected, for better words, not be neglected, but it is a part and parcel, and it is a critical element when we talk about uh, the influencers, our abilities to read the fire ground, read the building, read the fire, read our companies, and so forth. Um, it's also understanding this aspect of, uh, of life safety distress, survivability. It's also knowing your company and the personnel, and then again, the, the aspects of threshold, both in terms of capacity, and limitations. And then again, when we move into the tactical aspects, moving in as one, having the teamwork that's going to be present, eliminating the silos, developing acute mobility and uh, agility and adaptiveness, and then understanding the building, understanding the fire, understanding the compartment when we get into those. A lot of these are drawn out of best practices, lessons, and learnings, the learnings that are implemented both from uh, 
um, near miss events, line of duty death of events, um, history of repeating events that we've talked a lot about on the fire ground. These are lessons, learnings, and leadership that come out of there. One of the things that sometimes we get questioned when we're doing our stand-up programs uh, nationally are the issues dealing with uh, go and no-go. And it's a difficult uh, conversation to have. It's certainly not one that is easily as black and white as some painted to be. Our good friend uh, here on the podcast, our good friend here in fire engineering, uh, Captain Mike Gagliano out of Seattle, has an exceptional program that talks about go and no go. And, and we've also tied that into some of our programs in our building facts model, first arriving construction tactics and safety. But the, the clear question that we have when we have go and no go parameters, um, how and, and who defines them, who decides, how are they implemented, how are they managed, how are they monitored, how are they measured? And I'll just leave that as a couple of bullets. Again, how do you define them? Who decides? How are they implemented? How are they managed? Who's the, uh, who are monitoring them? How, what are the measures? And how are they based upon the performance regarding the variables of what we just talked about? So again, just a, a quick little snippet of, of, uh, of a couple of points on that. Building risk, fire risk, occupancy type, and occupancy risk are considerations that we have talked about and again, going back into some of our two or three other previous episodes, well into uh, even last year, we, we spent quite a bit of time talking about those tactical windows, but uh, they're, they're pretty important. We talk about occupancy risk, occupancy types, building risks, and uh, both fire risk. Much of what we are learning are being derived out of insights, both out of field and uh, testing research, insights, data points, and so forth. Um, Again, we talk about uh, UL and UL Research Institute, uh, previous research studies supported by the Department of Homeland Security. These have really given us a, a number of different things. And I'll just talk about a couple of major themes that have come out of there. Changes to the fire environment, dealing with the fire services workplace. Uh, the importance, again, toward occupant survivability and firefighter safety. This really has resulted in the need to understand the impact of changes in terms of both building construction methods, building construction and materials, home for, uh, furnishings, and the aspects of the fire load package and fire growth. These all have resulted in a different type of fire environment, certainly within certain types of occupancies. There's been quite a bit of uh, emphasis placed upon the residential and even to a cert certain extent, the multiple occupancy. We've seen some insights that are coming out of UL dealing with looking at uh, the UL studies dealing with commercial construction. Uh, we've also seen this, this major theme around the coordinated fire attack within the compartment and within the building and the effects of water application, the concept of fast water, and also the aspects of timely ventilation, the coordination of ventilation, how they occur, and the successes that have come out from both uh, sequential and uh, concurrent uh, activity. So a lot's coming out of that. And then also the critical concepts behind compartment isolation and occupant survivability and firefighting effectiveness. When we take a look at those related aspects of fire ground operations, they all end up relating back to some of the considerations dealing with, again, this the theme around firefighting operations and related aspects of those conditions. UL and uh, Again, Underwriters Laboratory, Firefighter Safety Initiatives, 
modern and legacy construction related issues going back all the way to 2005, structural stability of engineered lumber in fire conditions. Those were some of the earliest uh, insights coming out of both 2005 and 2006. Ventilation and fire behavior became a common theme in 2009. Fire service positive uh, ventilation, 2013. Vertical ventilation and fire tactics, 2011. I sort of got those a little bit uh, uh, in between each other. We started looking at uh, some of those aspects. We talk about the influence on fire ground decision making. Basement fires, both in 2013 and 2017, residential uh, fire attack, extinguishment, and fire spread in 2012. And those were pretty tied in, especially when we talked about basement fire, residential fire attack, the coordinated interior and exterior attack of host streams and occupant survivability in 2014, and the coordinated attack utilizing acquired structures in 2015. These all coming on the heels of NIST studies in that earlier phase of time dealing with wind-driven fire studies, structural collapse, staffing and operations, thermal conditions of wood floors, and also collapse predictability studies that came about. These all really started relating back to and giving us some further insights when we started talking about the relationship of tactical considerations, vent paths, flow paths, basement fire issues, compartment fires, attic fires, again, all of these relating back to the building and various components within the building, um, the conversations that were occurring about pushing fire, not pushing fire, BTUs versus megawatts of energy, uh, fire load packages, even just talking about fire loading as a package and the themes behind that, as well as the science and its application toward fire suppression related activities. The aspects of water mapping, the aspects of uh, fire suppression in terms of fire suppression techniques, its application, positioning of uh, suppression activities for the engine company, moving into vent and flow paths, primarily corridor spaces or room to room, and then the aspects of getting closer to the fire compartment and the relationship of the effectiveness of both fire suppression techniques, the application then aspects of water mapping. Uh, the transitional attack, survivability profiling of the civilians, survivability profiling of the fire service, extreme fire behavior, go and no-go, and then also slicers, dicers, and certainly the, the aspects of nicers that have come about from that. All of these themes relate back to some of our conversations that we are having regarding the influence of decision-making on operations. Common themes of building construction, the influence on decision-making, and those aspects on operations. And they go back to our concept, our modeling on the predictability performance, the aspects of building resiliency, integrity, and time regarding uh, RIT concepts, fire ground uh, relationships of both the building, the compartment, and the company, fire ground risk, the tactical windows over delta time, compartment fire behavior, both in terms of travel, severity, and magnitude, all of these directly influence fire ground decision-making and operational integrity and operational outcomes. The effectiveness of water application, both in terms of the expanse or elapse of time on a fire ground once we have arrived, and again, closely mirroring and uh, aligning to uh, the concept of fast water, sustainability, flow, mapping, cooling, and suppression. These are so critical when we talk about our correlation of building, compartment, 
and uh, company operations. It goes back to, again, that aspect of uh, sustainability flow, mapping, cooling, and suppression, which all relate back to the effectiveness of our company, of our engine company. That in which goes back to tactical mobility, goes back to tactical uh, discipline, patience, tactical sequencing, looking at uh, tactical decision-making points, again, related back to go and no-go, which really relates back to what? Talking about risk, uh, threshold decisions. And then again, threshold decisions are those decisions that are made upon moving closer to the entry threshold of either the building or threshold decisions and engagements as we enter the, or are getting close to the proximity of the compartment. And many of you are familiar with some of the negative attributes that have come out of, again, resetting the compartment or hitting it hard from the yard. And I'll just leave that alone. That that rhetoric is not even worth our conversation here. But when we talk about threshold decision-making, it's something that we, it's part of a common theme in our first arriving construction tactics and safety training modules and things that we've advocated uh, both in terms of our, of our presentations here on the, uh, on the radio program, but also the presentations that we have been doing in the field and our standups, our, our presentations at FDIC. Threshold decision-making is somewhat of a new concept, but it's really pretty straightforward to the way we did business back in the 70s and certainly in the 80s of fire ground operations. Decisions that would be made based upon as we enter the building, we have the the threshold decisions upon entry into the structure. We're gaining more insights and intel upon the entry into that building relative to the fire load, fire conditions, other information is coming across both verbally, information coming across radio communications, the things that we're picking up, the aspects of utilizing our experience and our understanding of the building and how that building will relate back to it. We'll go back to the five and five here that we're going to reinforce in a moment here, but they are so critical to the conversations, the operations. Go back to critical decision-making and the influence based upon NFPA 1700, born out of, again, the newest uh, guide coming out of uh, NFPA that suggests and addresses both fire control within the structure based upon the establishment of basic understanding of both fire science, fire dynamics, and that guide, although non-mandatory, does give us some insights. If this, this is the first you've heard about it, I would encourage you to take a look at the NFPA 1700 guide that takes a look at, for better words, tying back to the understanding of what's fire science and research is suggesting and how that relates to uh, the evolving aspect of fire ground operations based upon both old and new built environment considerations of our buildings. So again, um, when we take a look at those aspects, we need to identify best practices, generally accepted standards of operations, our aspects of conditioned tactical reflex, the aspects of what research data points is suggesting the challenges that our local built environments are giving us relative to the kinds of first do that you may have or the kinds of construction and buildings or the aging of our building. And that, was, that goes back to the acronym of, of bear of, uh, of building era, uh, the aspects of our anatomy and the aspects of risks that are associated with it that primarily gives us the functional literacy, the ability to understand those aspects and hopefully start recognizing these common themes. Some of the other critical things that we want to, again, that we want to just really bring, bring out in a very quick standpoint, high-level overview, is the unrecognized impact of the rapid evolving built environment, 
primarily dealing with modern methods of construction, the MMCs. So the rapid evolving modern uh, methods of construction are really impacting everything that we are doing, especially with newer buildings, commercial, as well as uh, renovations of our structures. But the unrecognized impact of this rapid change, the rapid changing types of both building construction and the materials and the building construction sciences and their applications in newer construction, the evolving nature and the adaptability that uh, performance codes and standards are giving us or giving the builders and giving the architects and the engineers to give us a variety of types of hybrid construction and occupancies and the profound need to have both building intel, building information management and the complexities out of that, but getting much more building intel on the front end. And really a lot of that intel has just come about through just keeping track of what's going on with your buildings as they're being renovated, as new construction coming about, just getting out into the streets and into those buildings and hopefully being able to identify. And if you guys, again, whether it be company officers or firefighters or commanders, if you don't have that level of insight, you know, it's a wake up call. Yes. And, and to, to say that you need to know that, but not everyone knows everything. It does take a tremendous degree of commitment to stay on top of that. Programs such as this, many of our other podcasts and webcast programs provide that level of, of insights that, again, hopefully drive you to gain further book learning, street learning, tie that all together. But you, you need to be aware of it. And if you don't have the answers, seek out those that do have those answers from the subject matter experts and so forth. Having a profound uh, critical uh, reliance system on collapse and compromise and failures and again, uh, the aspects of both building material fire loads, compartment fire loads and the fire load packages, occupancy loads, structural loads, environmental loads, seismic loads, the aspects of incident severity, urgency and growth, tactical windows, and those aspects of time. And lastly, I think when we talk about common themes affecting decision making regarding our buildings, um, and our operations. It goes back to a couple of fundamental items here. I'm just going to sort of uh, go through a, a list of bullets here. It's the lack of benchmarks and the lack of pattern recognition. It's the lack of recognition, prime decision-making, um, or natural decision-making, which is completely directly, it's completely and directly drawn out of experience. I mean, RPDM and, and uh, NDPM is directly related to experience and the aspects of pattern recognition and benchmarking, putting those all together so that when we are seeing and hearing and experiencing certain things, recognition prime decision-making has everything to do with previous experiences, direct and indirect, learned, book learned, street learned, and so forth, but being able to, to identify those from pattern recognition. And when we don't have that pattern recognition aligning, that's when we have miscues, we're misreading the building, misreading the fire ground, misreading the fire, misreading the, the tactics that are being employed. And unfortunately, they, those end up leading to adverse events and uh, sometimes very, very, very bad adverse events on the fire ground. Um, they all directly affect uh, indecis uh, indecisiveness uh, re in regards to the decision-making pro process, the lack of, um, of conservative bias, the lack of risk management, the lack of time, the lack of resources, the lack of human performance, and having human performance barriers. They also are related back to the lack of knowledge, skills, and abilities, 
and many times uh, it's directly related to a lack of discipline on the fire ground. So just a quick uh, sort of a listing of some of those bullets that affect the common themes that are behind the built environment that influence decision-making, influence our, our operations that are born out of the building and born out of our, comp our compartment and born out of the relationship of company. So again, building, compartment, and company, just another reinforcement of that model and that concept. A um, couple of other quick things here that we want to uh, just bring forward in our in our program here as we uh, start trying to tie some things in here. And again, we are also encouraging, these are not uh, once and done types of themes. These are aspects that we continue to reinforce in our episodes, in our conversations. They are also very, very important to uh, recognize in more robust and more in-depth uh, training programs, whether it be lecture programs, seminars, or many of our FDIC offerings that, again, for those of you that are planning your FDIC programs for 2024, again, uh, bear in mind that we will be presenting a much more in-depth workshop of which much of what we've been talking about here within the aspects of building facts, first arriving construction, tactics and safety, much of what we've been um, introducing or reinforcing in many of our programs here throughout 2023, as well as our programs that are archived on fireengineering.com. If you go back into the archives, you can find many of these conversations in a greater degree of depth that all revolve around some of these particular aspects. So I would encourage you, if you're planning ahead for FTIC, again, I'll just put in the plug for, for 2024, take a look at our, our workshop program, and I would really uh, encourage you to uh, Take some time, and, and we would certainly be very humbled um, to have you sitting in one of our seats there at FDIC in 2024. So again, let's talk about a couple of items here. The the uh, the, the 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 predominant six when we talk about first two actions regarding our buildings. Those predominant uh, six first two actions will revolve around the knowing, assuming, predicting aspects of recognition, prime decision-making, the aspects that are drawn out of our bear model dealing with building, era, anatomy, and risk, and all of those have everything to do with predictability performance. It is the civilian life safety risk, the severity, urgency, and growth. It's the building and, comp uh, building and compartment reads that we have, again, reading the building, reading the compartment, and those relationships back to RIT and risk. It's the availability um, and the timeliness of our resources and those capabilities and all of which, again, go under the aspects of Delta time. Going from the predominant six to the simple four, those aspects relate back to building compartment and the resilience, integrity, and time of the building compartment. It is the aspects of civilian life safety and those levels of risk. It is the aspects of our operations in terms of actions dealing with severity, urgency, and growth, and then the continued aspects of risk and the actions that have to be deployed around them. There are influencers and stresses that are drawn out of those when we talk about initial operations and they deal with compartment, building, and structure fire conditions. It is the building, excuse me, it's the compartment, the building, and fire behavior. It is the level of resiliency and integrity. It is the predictability. It is the potential for compromise and or collapse during the conduct of those operations. It is the building's uh, anatomy 
and human performance integrity factors in the constant inflow of intel and information that is being identified, uh, that is being validated based upon assumptions that are being made. And it's the intel that's coming from companies as they continue to enter and work within the confines of the compartments and the buildings that hopefully is being communicated back to command. And that information is being distilled and then further being uh, communicated back to operating field units, all of which all of this has and is, is conducted under the umbrella of elapsed time or what we call delta time. So, and again, when we talk about managing that level of risk, it's again, it's aspects of intervention, the aspects of elapsed time, the aspects of tactical windows and how our knowledge spills and abilities, and uh, also the aspects of recognition prime decision-making. And yes, yeah, sometimes just throwing, throwing the rocks out there, right? Just doing what we need to do based upon very aggressively postured companies and the ability to move in and do what needs to be done relative to those uh, operations. Ultimately, these conversations all revolve around our five-star command model. Again, it goes back to the aspects of uh, construction systems and anatomy. It is the occupancy type and occupancy risk and things that are drawn out of that. It is the collapse and compromise characteristics, the methods and materials of construction and the fire dynamics, all of which we talk about construction systems, we talk about occupancies, it's all revolving around the era and vintage in which these buildings were built that give us those, those key attributes. The other aspects when we talk about the five and five, the other uh, contributors deal with, again, the uh, uh, identifying the consider considerations when we talk about building construction aspects or building occupancy or structural use, they revolve, uh, uh, they revolve around the identification and performance characteristics of, of the uh, building systems, of the perimeter wall systems. It's identifying the characteristics and performance uh, uh, conditions dealing with the compartment and that compartment dealing with either the floor and or ceiling systems. And then the fifth item is the absence and or presence of voids within the building. So I'll, I'll sort of start concluding when we start talking about these aspects of building and occupancy risks. We've talked about those and we talked about our risk profiling model. They revolve around those two key elements, and those things really have a, a significant um, influence on our operations. And when we talk about those per perspectives, when we talk about the levels of risk, and again, we, we encourage you to take a look at the aspects of what risk looks like and that common profiling and predictability, both in terms of severity as well as the predictability model. We've talked about those in our previous, uh, couple of previous episodes specifically. And it's a common theme when we've talked about levels of risk, but I would also encourage you to, to go back to the uh, NIOSH report uh, with a double line of duty death in Philadelphia, NIOSH report F2012-13. We introduced the concept, again, almost, uh, well, 13 years ago, uh, excuse me, uh, 20 years uh, <laughs> We introduced it 10 years ago, 2013, here we are in 2023, but we introduced that methodology, process, and model based upon the double line of duty death that occurred in Philadelphia, of which that NIOSH report F2012-13 uh, discussed. And we, we discussed the operational probability of the events and also operational probability relative to severity of risk. So if this is the first you're hearing about that, 
Again, I would encourage you to go back through some of our previous episodes and, and gain some insights in our previous podcasts on that. Um, many of our stand-up programs, again, uh, delve deeper into these concepts. We will be talking about this at FDIC again in uh, 2024. But I will just reference uh, this aspect of risk in this episode as it relates to two, two subsets. So risk relates back to severity, urgency, and growth. And also the second part of that is the level of RIT. And when we talk about building construction and the influence of building construction on operations and decision-making, it has everything to do with both building and compartment RIT. And it also relates back to the concept of RIT when it, as it relates back to the company regarding perf human performance. But I'm not going to get into that portion of it here on this episode, but we'll talk about it regarding the built environment. So it has twofold aspects. It talks about this level of resiliency as well as uh, um, it, it relates back to the resiliency, the integrity, and time. And when we relate that back to resiliency and or resistance, so sometimes it's twofold. When we talk about RIT, it's not talking about saving our own, but RIT as a separate building block of risk regarding our building and its influence on both building and life safety and operations relates back to resiliency, integrity, and time. Those are the three subsets. When we talk about resiliency, we talk about building materials and components, their ability to have resiliency based upon thermal assault or impact. That's why it's so important to understand the aspects of voids within our buildings. When we talk about its um, resiliency and or resistance, think about it in terms of fire traveling from one side of a compartment to the other. Um, it is the resiliency and or resistance to uh, to resist the aspects of fire within the compartment, the fire load package, and its ability to allow us to be able to control that from a suppression standpoint or give us time. The other aspect has a relationship based on integrity. And the integrity is when we have both thermal and non-thermal or direct flame impingement affecting structural components or affecting the integrity of a particular assembly or system within the building which may or may not give us operational time. If we're working above the seat of a fire, we're talking about the integrity of a, of a floor system. If we're working underneath a fire, we may be talking about the integrity and the resiliency and resistance of the condition up above, which is going to be the ceiling and or floor system or roof system above. So all of these have one common denominator, and that's the third component, and that's the aspect of time. The elapsed time, which we always consider and that we um, implement based upon our arrival time. So the clock starts ticking, although there are precursors to that pre-arrival, the conditions when we talk about fire ground operations all revolve around the aspects of the arrival time of the companies going into operations, the aspects and considerations of resiliency, the integrity, and the considerations of elapsed operational time. So those are the components under RIT. 
When we talk about severity, urgency, and growth, which is the second major component under risk, and that includes both building and life safety considerations, there are three breakdowns of that. So we talk about severity, urgency, and growth revolving around severity, urgency, and the growth potential. The growth potential all is directly related back to the time component. component. And again, it's the aspect of delta time the probability of conditions and, and condi uh, situations occurring within the fire ground and how they relate back to the tactical approaches of our operation. Severity goes back to fire intensity, fire growth within the building and within the compartment. And the simplest way to talk about the urgency talks back to the aspects of priorities. And priorities dealing with uh, does an action have to be immediate is that action relative to a tactic or task? Is it does it have to be, occur in a timely fashion? Is it something that is deferrable? Do we have pri priorities that sometimes are conflicting with each other? Uh, is there a priority that can be slightly or can be fully deferred to a different phase of time, maybe in the next five minutes or to another uh, particular period of time based upon the immediacy of severity of the incident, the urgency in which something has to be done immediate, something that has to be done timely, something that can be deferrable, or that's something that has to be uh, accomplished and uh, implemented at risk. And the most critical aspect of the fire ground, we talk about those operations, be when we have a building that is being compromised, we have uh, apparent uh, conditions that show building degradation and that we have imminent collapse or compromise. We'll talk about integrity factors. We have resiliency or resistance that are being compromised as, as each second of the clock continues to tick away. But there are life safety factors that need to be implemented regarding civilian, uh, the identification or the removal of uh, those that are in distress or those that may be trapped or they may, may be assumed to be trapped but things that we have to do at risk. So when we talk about urgency, it's pretty straightforward. So when you take a step back and you take a look at levels of risk, there are two subcomponents to risk regarding RIT, resilience, integrity, and time, severity, urgency, and growth. But the two clear key items are, are RIT and the SUG portion of it from the acronyms. But then we have six interrelated aspects talking about resiliency, integrity, and time, severity, urgency, and growth. And those six have a direct influence on fire ground operations, decision-making, when we talk about the uh, aspects of building influences, the built environment, and those aspects and relevancy toward fire ground operations. So just a very short uh, uh, 360 to try to close that loop about uh, our, our insights that we presented first and foremost in our first episode, part one, talking about the, the influence of that built environment to operations, and then somewhat of a closure here in this episode, talking about uh, some of the dominant aspects of it. We talked about some of those key elements dealing with uh, not so much go and no go, but we just talked about some of those criticalities dealing with uh, the uh, uh, dominant six, the uh, simple four, uh, some aspects dealing with building compartment and company, which again, have been part of our common theme. So that is going to conclude this episode. We're just about uh, just about an hour into our program. We're trying to keep them a little bit shorter, but again, 
you know, building construction, talking about the built environment is not left to a simple approach. If, uh, you know, and unfortunately there are, there are others that really take a very simple and simplistic approach to trying to dummy down uh, the aspect of building construction, which uh, cannot be easily done. And unfortunately when it is done, there's a lot that's left out. But uh, again, I, I do believe that there's an incremental approach toward not only the lessons and learnings and the understanding of our built environment, but it is an incremental step. But you know, in order for us to be both building and fire literate, we really gotta really jump ahead in a much quicker standpoint. For many of you that are just learning, it is a, an overwhelming area. And again, that uh, further strengthens our position about uh, understanding and, and having an integrated approach toward understanding building construction, tying that back into fire ground operations. They exist in a cohesive manner. One does not learn any one topic when we talk about strategy, tactics, command separately from the aspects of building construction. And it's important it's importance when we talk about first arriving construction that influences tactics, that influences our level of risk, that has everything to do with, with operational safety, which is the basis of our acronym for building facts. So again, one of the leading issues dealing with both near misses as well as predominantly dealing with firefighter line of duty deaths uh, revolves around one of the key domains, and that is the, the inadequacy of preparation for or the anticipation of adverse events during operations that has everything to do with understanding both at the command and the company and the task level, the aspects of building compartment and company, the abilities to increase our proficiencies in reading the fire ground, reading the building, reading the compartment, and then reading the company. So again, we've got to take a look at those challenges, have a much more adaptive fire ground management approach, Again, some of the aspects that we continue to talk about with our five-star command model, having the skill set levels, having both building and fire ground literacy, simplifying our world, establishing a clear mission, but also understanding the uniqueness of and the effectiveness of understanding the built environment and how that relates back to the predictability and the risk and adaptive fire ground management modeling. So key items here is to uh, take a look at innovation, adaptiveness to what's being presented and suggested by the evolving built environment, the insights coming out of, uh, of research and R&D. Embrace change, seek out best practices and implement. Uh, take a look at R&D, share, collaborate, and steal. Primarily we're saying share liberally. Implement and apply what works best locally. Check and adjust, change and modify. But again, be dynamic versus the static nature of it. And truly, when we take a look at both training and operational perspectives on the fire ground, we continue need to need we continue to need to strive toward developing a uh, much more holistic approach and redefining and refining and expanding our curriculum, which is the basis of our levels of risk, and identifying what works best in uh, as it relates back to the continuing challenges presented by our built environment. So. That concludes our current episode of Buildings on Fire, taking it to the streets, talking about the influence of our built environment and the influence on decision-making and operations. So until next time, again, companies are in quarters and off the air. Stay safe, but keep in mind, there's a job being worked somewhere in the streets in your city, across the country, 
and around the world and doing what we do best, and that's being firefighters. So until next time, this is Chris Nam signing off. Thank you so very much for listening to this episode. Keep an eye out for the scheduled for the next coming uh, series of uh, pod and uh, webcasts that are now being uh, uh, concurrently being uh, produced and being offered. So, and also take a look at both our archived archived offerings on fireengineering.com in the archives, as well as many of the other great, great programs that our other colleagues are are producing and presenting. So listen in on all of these um, available programs. And I'm certain with a high degree of confidence that that's going to increase your knowledge, skills, and ability to do the job on that next job tomorrow and in the streets. So until next time, uh, signing off, stay safe, everyone, and we'll talk to you on on the next edition of Buildings on Fires, taking it to the streets.